The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Hello, audience members. Hello, YouTube. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the show. It is time to talk about some breakouts here on Fantasy Football Today. I'm Adam with Dave and Heath. We got some training camp news, some interesting nuggets on the Broncos right now and what's being reported out of training camp. Dak Prescott hoping to run a little bit more. He was about about half his yards per game last year than what we usually see. And breakouts, including some young running backs, and these guys can obviously uh, make your season. They can win you your league. So, what's up, guys? Uh, how's it How's it going? How are we, Heath? How are we doing? Stranger Things yet? No, I didn't. I have uh, one more episode. Oh, or do I have two? You finished, Heath? Wait, maybe two. So I'm assuming you finished, Heath. Well, I finished the current uh, part of yeah. the season. Sure. Yeah, I'm and... only three episodes in. Oh, Dave watched I, another yesterday. Man, I, want, I have th- so many things I want to say. I can't say. Anything. I have a question for you. Are you are you still watching it with your youngest son, or were you ever? Uh yeah, it's kind of a horror horror show now, isn't it? Um, it's kind of like scary. He's, all, he's, all, he's almost thirteen now. It's too scary for yeah. him. Don't let him watch it anymore. He watched the first three seasons, I think, three or four times. Like whenever he'd get done watching it, he wouldn't watch any other show. He'd just start watching Stranger Things again. Yeah, but the first three were were kid friendly. This one's too scary. Right. Uh, you're a terrible he's, parent. He's grown up with this series. Yeah, I don't know how kid friendly they were. Bad, they pa- were it's bad parenting. Bad parenting, I'd say. But bad parenting, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, anyway, I want to give a, a few quick, a uh, few quick stats before we get into breakouts here. Jacob Gibbs had a, a breakdown of James Cook over the weekend. I hope you heard that in this podcast or in FFT and five. And he said, "Stat of the day number one from Jacob Gibbs: Devin Singletary ran the fourth most routes among running backs in 2021. That is amazing. He just barely got targeted. He didn't do anything with those routes, but that was part of the Bills' offense last year." Will be part of the Bills' offense this year, so just he didn't do anything with the targets he got either. As much as I have been a Devin Singletary supporter, he has been one of the worst pass catching running backs in the NFL over the last couple of years. Makes you realize there's there's opportunity there for Cook if he has that role. If he locks he that was role so down. bad at catching passes, they tried to play Zach Moss <laughs> and they tried to sign Jarek McKinnon and draft James Cook. Uh, stat of the day number two: Dak Prescott, Eddie McKissick. Not J.D. McKissick. They're the same. Come on, with the initials, with everything's the same. They're not the same. There's Jarek no. McKinnon doesn't have initials. The and initials of their McKissick names. has knee ligaments still. Uh, stat of the day number two. Dak Prescott played 16 games in 2019, played 16 games in 2021. He threw exactly 596 passes both seasons. Cowboys were 10th and 6th respectively in pass attempts those two years. They also were top 12 in rush attempts, luckily. But I bring this up because we are going to talk about Tony Pollard, and it's going to be part of my question. Can Pollard really be a breakout if Ezekiel Elliott stays healthy? And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's get into our favorite breakouts. Dave, who's your favorite breakout? 
My favorite breakout is a guy I've already talked a lot about, and it's Gabriel Davis in Buffalo. Just a great opportunity for him to be the, the I guess he's the number two receiver all year long for Buffalo. There really isn't another player there that can take him off the field, at least in the early part of the season. Amazing finish to last year. The last time we saw him play, four touchdowns in one game. He's not going to do that again. But I think he's going to continue to be a downfield target for Josh Allen and a red zone target for Josh Allen. And that's a good thing to be because the Bills are going to throw the ball a lot. It, when you say he's locked in as the number two wide receiver in Buffalo, I would agree with that in terms of like fantasy production. What do you, do you think it's how guaranteed do you think it is that he's number two on the team in targets? Because that slot position historically has been second behind Stefan Diggs in targets. I think he'll end up being second among the receivers. It wouldn't surprise me if. If Crowder, between injuries and Khalil Shakir, doesn't quite get close to any who to Davis, really is what it would be. Yeah, Gabriel Davis is wide receiver twenty-eight right now. He's going in between Brandon Cooks, who I know you guys like a lot better than him, and Darnell yep. Mooney. Uh, so, would you rather have Gabriel Davis, the number two guy in theory, or Darnell Mooney, the number one guy? Davis for me. Yeah, it's it's Mooney by probably 10 spots. <laughs> All right, Gabriel Davis does come up a lot on our shows. I don't know how much we want to get into it. Maybe we can get into it a little bit more later, but yeah, great opportunity for him on a great offense. Okay, Heath, who's your favorite breakout? Well, I'll just stick with the same theme because he is my favorite breakout. But I, if when you ask for our favorite, it must be someone we talk a lot about. Probably. Yeah. Um, and it's Jalen Hurts. Um, Dave and I obviously in complete agreement on both Gabriel Davis and Jalen Hurts. We both <laughs> like them both exactly the same amount. Um, no, I just I think the addition of AJ Brown gives him passing upside that to win combined with the rushing production he's already shown us gives him as much upside as any quarterback in fantasy football. I think I took both Jalen Hurts and Gabriel Davis in a draft you yesterday, did. right? You also yes, took did. Julio Jones over Will Fuller again. Yeah, I like don't. You did it before you said it on the podcast yesterday. And no. then yesterday on the podcast, you said Will Fuller has the most upside and then drafted Julio Jones over him again. First of all, it took me about 30 seconds to say Will Fuller. I thought about it for a very long time when, when I was asked who has more upside, Will Fuller, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones. And I don't only draft on upside. I think their upside is close. But you were talking about okay. one of the best wide receivers in football history and one guy, a guy who's had one great year. So Could yeah, I just I'm suggest that when we're it. talking about wide receivers in the round 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 range who are, do not currently have a job, that upside should probably be our only consideration. No. With, the, with those guys. Because none of them have any floor. Not with they the might upside. not get another job. Not with the upside. Being close. It's very close to me. It's not a clear cut here, okay? Uh, so Julio just, Julio's floor was too much for you to ignore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to see who I took. I, I would take Gabriel Davis over Tyler Lockett. I would take him over Mooney. And I'm just, I'm, I can't find, oh, here's the here's the draft. Let's see who I took Gabriel Davis over. I thought we were talking about Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts. Well, oh, I took them back to back. I took Gabriel Davis 72nd and Jalen Hurts 73rd. This was a team with the first overall pick, and that those are my round six and seven picks. I took him over Monterey St. Brown, uh, Traylon Burks, Tyler took Lockett. took him over Kyler Murray. I, took, I did take Hurts over Kyler Murray. Would you guys do I, that? 100%. I would not. I've got him a round ahead. 
Okay. It went about I'm warming up to Jalen Hurts, but I'm not warming up to him as a top five fantasy quarterback. The schedule is great for him. A.J. Brown, like Heath said, and I think Devontae Smith could take a step forward, too. It all comes down to how Hurts is as a passer. Reports have been good so far during the offseason. I would not so take him I over. I see myself buying oh, in more sorry. and more as, as this rolls on. I would not have taken him over Kyler Murray if DeAndre Hopkins were not suspended for six games. That was the deciding factor for me. I don't know about you, Heath. If if there had been no suspension for DeAndre Hopkins, who would you take, Kyler Murray or, or Jalen Hurts? I don't remember how much I dropped Murray. I have Hurts 14 points ahead of Murray um, in my projections, so not quite a point per game. It, it would have been very, very close. Okay. All right, Gabriel Davis for Dave, Jalen Hurts for Heath. Those are couple of our favorite breakouts this year and more coming up later. So fantasy cops, you know, you love that segment. I'll play the music for you. If you have any league disputes, send them in. Cause the fantasy cops are here to solve your problems. Fantasy football at CBSI.com. That is the letter I, and please put fantasy cops in the subject line. Also, please leave us a five-star review on Apple podcast. Again, a five-star review on Apple podcast and uh, with a question in there, and we will read them on the show. We have another episode tomorrow, and I plan on reading a lot of those Apple Podcast questions. All right, here's a segment that uh, didn't really work yesterday. Let's hope it works today. Hmm. Dave and Heath call out a breakout from the other person's breakout list. So, Dave, I'm going to give you Heath's breakouts. You tell me one that you I already you want. know. If you want to run them down for yeah, for everyone, listeners, go ahead. Sure. Jalen Hurts, J.K. Dobbins, Brees Hall. Great pick there, Heath. I do think Hall will have his best season. Uh, Michael Pittman, Rashad Bateman, and Cortland Sutton. Jalen Hurts, J.K. Dobbins, Brees Hall, Michael Pittman, Rashad Bateman, and Cortland Sutton. Dave, you want to call one of them out? You want to ask for more explanation? You want to phone a friend? I want to I want to have a conversation about Rashad Bateman because I'm not there yet. I know a lot of people are excited about Bateman um, taking over as the top receiver in Baltimore. I'd like to hear a little rationale because I, I need to be sold. I wrote about Bateman and Judy this morning um, and how those two guys, in terms of dynasty, it's time for them to prove they belong where we're ranking them. Uh, for yes. the most part, it's a first-round pick whose team just traded away the number one wide receiver and made zero effort to replace the number one wide receiver. That tells me that Jim Harbaugh and company are comfortable with Rashad Bateman as their number one wide receiver. And if he's a former first-round pick who gets to be the number one wide receiver in an offense that we think is well above average, then it's it's a clear breakout for a guy who had, what, 600 yards last year. How have number one receivers in Baltimore typically done? I will tell you. So Marquise Brown... On a per-game basis in 2019, he it was his rookie season. He finished outside the top 50. In 2020, he was number 40 in non-PPR, number 47 in full PPR. In 2021, he was number 31 in non-PPR and number 25 in full PPR with 91 catches, 1,008 yards, six touchdowns in 16 games. If you want to be really optimistic, he was on pace for a one. Marquise Brown was on pace for 100 catches, 1,275 yards, nine touchdowns. In hundred on 153 targets with Lamar Jackson, so if you you know if you don't want to penalize Brown for the non-Lamar Jackson games, then he would have been probably a top 12 wide receiver. Um, but his highest finish in PPR was 25th per game. His highest finish in non-PPR was 31st per game, both last year. And Rashad Bateman so did not have 600 yards last year. He had 515. Buddy, 
Yeah. So if a guy who had 515 yards has, has finishes at 25th to 30th in, in PPR this year, that was a breakout, right? Yes. Okay. You think that's where he'll finish? I've got him 27th, I think, right now. I mean, maybe a bigger number is that Marquise Brown had 99 targets in 16 games in 2020. He had 145 targets in 16 games in 2021. And I think every time we talk about the Ravens, we're going to talk about their offensive philosophy. And I, I kind of feel like you guys are yep. are far apart on that. I'm right where the Ravens are. I see what they typically do. Last year was an outlier year. Their run game was blasted by injuries and they had to throw the ball more. And so I think it was like 62 or 63% pass last year. And usually they're pretty close to 50-50. And that's especially oh, been the case in the Lamar no. Jackson years. Not even no? not, like no, that's the that's it's a much bigger gap than even Dave indicated. Um, 2019, they had 596 rush attempts and 440 pass attempts. Well, how many sacks did they have? 28. That's in, that should be included in the pass attempts. So you're right. Well, that that's definitely worse. Right. Than 50, um. So if, they, if we want to include sacks, then it'd be 555 and 438 in 2020. Yeah. They're the they're the lowest pass volume team in the NFL uh, in so, previous like, iterations of the Ravens. Just looking at actual pass attempts, the pass attempts over the last three years have been 440, 406, and 611 right. for the Ravens. <laughs> I have them projected at 526. I think Bateman's going to have to have, you know, more pass volume. <laughs> Guess who froze? Bateman's going to have to have more pass volume uh, than than what we saw in 2019 and 2020 to be a break. For sure. Right? Yeah. It, obviously, yes. And I've got it. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you think they're going to throw the ball 430 times, then Rashad Bateman is not a good pick to finish as a top 30 wide receiver. And I, I the health of Dobbins and Edwards are so important here to, to me anyway how do you feel about that dave is working through an issue <laughs> yeah i mean it's i'm I, a little yes but i think really more the intentions of harbaugh matter more to me because i don't think dobbins and edwards are going to just not play this year like maybe it's a month before we see the real them or maybe it's even six weeks it seems really unlikely for both of them to be out that long um but like they've got other running backs that they can hand the ball to if they really want to go run heavy. But they can't really go run heavy if they don't have Dobbins and Edwards, I don't think. If if those guys start the season on the pup list, then I, I, I mean I felt that way last year. You know, right. after Edwards tore his ACLs, I was much more interested in Mark Andrews. If those guys start the year on the pup list, which is not out of the question, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be much more interested in Rashad Bateman. Do you feel that way, Dave? I do. Um, but I'm expecting at least one of those guys to be ready to go. We talked about that earlier this week. And even if both of them are out, the Ravens might feel okay with Mike Davis and Tyler Beatty. Not enough to say that they're going to stick to the 50-50 doctrine, but enough to say maybe maybe it's like 56 or 57% pass, which would help Bateman. All right, let's call out a Dave breakout. Travis Etienne, A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard, Kenneth Gainwell – Cortland Sutton, Gabe Davis, Alan Lazard, Russell Gage. We're not going to talk about Lazard and Gage. We talked about them as sleepers yesterday. Tim Patrick and Pat Fryermuth. Heath, who do you want to call out? Um, man, we've both got Cortland Sutton, so I don't think I can call him out. Which I thought, why didn't we do the shared? Yeah, we should break out like the shared <laughs> sleeper. But um, no, I the one that I disagree with the most is Pat Fryermuth. 
because I think this team might throw the ball a hundred times fewer than times than they did last year. I'm not sure Fryermuth's targets go up, and if his targets are exactly the same, he's probably not going to be useful in fantasy football. No, uh, there's definitely a chance of that happening, but I also believe that he will. I don't know if he can be second on the team in targets, but I think he can make up for it with his work in the red zone. Um, I expect the Steelers to be more diverse this season. I I think that they want to get Fryermuth to be a little bit more of a of a downfield threat. And when I say downfield for him, that probably means like ten or twelve yards downfield, and not like fifteen plus yards downfield. And I think that they're still going to rely on him in the red zone. I think they learned last year, and maybe they were taught this from Roethlisberger that he can be a factor in the red zone. So when you're looking at tight ends that you draft late, you're pretty much looking for guys that you're hoping can score a touchdown. It would be great if they could do it every other week, but close to that rate would be fine. I think he can do that and still pick up in the neighborhood of five targets per game. Now, he can also be better than that if something if if Chase Claypool falls out of favor, the rookie receivers that they drafted don't step up and they just need a reliable guy to move the chains on third down. Then the targets could get to seven or eight. That's when you're talking about a really good tight end. The value that you have to take to draft him isn't very much. He's not going to be, I don't think he finishes as a top five tight end, but I think he does better than he did last year in terms of catches and yards. Okay, Fryermuth. So where do you have Fryermuth ranked? And Dave, would you take him over some trendy names like uh, David Njoku or Cole Komet? I would. I would take him over both of those guys. I currently have him ranked 10th uh, behind Goddard, Urch, behind Hawkinson, ahead of Gronk. That would probably change once I was convinced that Gronk was going to play this year. Please, please but, take the word pro- guy. Please take the word probably out of that. Like you would have to rank Gronk ahead of Fryermuth, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I'd take Irv and Komet over Fryermuth. Fryermuth is actually going ahead of Rob Gronkowski right now. He is tight end 11 as of May 1st on NFC. Gronk is tight end 12. And then it's Gasicki, Irv Smith, Hunter Henry, Cole Komet. Uh, one name going right ahead of Fryermuth is Dawson Knox. I don't think you guys love Dawson Knox. Would you take Fryer? I know Dave would take Fryermuth. Heath, would you take Fryermuth or Knox? Uh, Fryermuth. Yeah, Knox is not in my top 20 tight ends. Okay. Let's talk about the shared breakout then. The shared sleeper was Naeem Hines between Heath and Jamie. The shared breakout is Cortland Sutton. Should he be the first Broncos wide receiver drafted? And we can also kind of get into what's being said around Broncos camp right now. Uh, I, I'll tell you, we've done two drafts in the last two days. In our half PPR draft, I took Sutton as the first Broncos guy. In our full PPR draft, I took Judy. I was then told that was a mistake. But uh, what do you guys think? Should Cutton... should? Cortland Sutton be the first in a blanket, be the first Broncos wide receiver drafted now. I mean, you might be cutting Jerry Judy the way the reports are about him right now. Um, no, I, listen, I've had Sutton ahead of Judy all summer, but just very thinly based on the fact that Cortland Sutton's the only one of the two that's ever actually been good in the NFL. And now reports are that and Sutton's been more of a high A dot guy and and Russell Wilson loves his big A dot. Um now, I mean, the reports coming out from OTAs are just like it is clear Cortland Sutton is Russell Wilson's guy. Uh Cecil Lammy has actually tweeted, I think it was last night or the night before, that Tim Patrick easily over Jerry Judy right now. Um, so I, I'm you're not gonna draft Patrick over Judy, but 
Sutton should be, I think, probably two rounds ahead of Judy right now. If he really is, Dave, if he really is the clear-cut number one, to me, third-round pick. I've got no issue with it at all. And, I, I mean, we could be looking back saying, wow, why didn't we take Cortland Sutton in the second round? You know, Russell Wilson's number one wide receiver and and whatnot. I'm not there yet, but I'm obviously quite high on him, and and so are you guys. But what do you think? When's the right time for Sutton? I think what when we're seeing him go in that round four range is is fine. Um, and it could end up being round three by the time we get to late August and early September if the preseason checks out the right way. What would he have to do to break out? Well, in 2019, on 124 targets, he caught 72 passes for 1,112 yards and six touchdowns. I think everybody could look at Sutton and say six touchdowns is the floor. And maybe if things just break absolutely right for him, could be in that 9, 10, 11 touchdown range. He could just absolutely be dominant. And if that's happening, then the yardage and the catches should be there too. It depends. It, it's going to come down to how impactful the other receivers are compared to Sutton. Because I think Sutton is, is, a, is a good perimeter receiver, but not necessarily one who's going to earn in the type of target volume that like Devontae Adams has had no. or, that, or that we think that CeeDee Lamb has. I'm, I'm a little worried about him getting much farther than 130 targets. But I think Which he can be more range. efficient on them. Right, that, right. That's like what Metcalf And I think he do. could be I think he could be more efficient on them and I think he could get more end zone targets. Yeah, man. Six touchdowns, so I'll, I'll take the over for sure right at the floor. All right, anything else? I, I think the more interesting thing like with one of Dave's breakouts with the reports if like if these reports about Judy being that number 2 or number 3 in this offense um does he go before Gabriel Davis? Mm, what do you think? I I'm I've bumped Sutton a little, dropped Judy a little. I've got Sutton, I think, 21 or 22 now. And I actually have Judy one spot behind Gabriel Davis in the 30s. Well, you know I'm crazy about Gabriel Davis. So you shouldn't be surprised to know that Judy's behind Gabriel Davis for me. But he Judy, like last year's Gabriel Davis was Jerry Judy. You love them both. Yeah, and then Jerry Judy had a high ankle sprain after having like, what was it? A target every seven routes run, something like that in his very first game. Oh, he was great. He played a half. Crazy he he was amazing it. and a half. I was just, I was kicking back on the couch in our green room going, yep, this, this call is going to be right. And then he limped off and the call went wrong really, really quick. If he doesn't get hurt, Judy could end up having a sensational year. I'm hoping that Gabriel Davis does not get hurt and that he has a very good year. Hopefully I don't put the jinx on him. Uh, also worth noting, Jerry Judy had 856 receiving yards as a rookie in 2020, and Gabriel Davis has not had 600 yet in his career. Yeah, if if no, Judy could, could have just caught one of those 44 yard passes, he'd be a lot better player now. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying because <laughs> <it's> 900. <laughs> yeah, but you know that that 72 yard game you guys are referencing where he only played a half. That was Jerry Judy's second highest yardage total in a game last year. Well, it was before his injury. So, obviously, <laughs> that must be it. Okay, let's uh, go do some news and notes here. We got more breakouts to talk about a little bit later. Definitely looking forward to talking about Tony Pollard and A.J. Dillon, for example, and Michael Pittman, who he, he might be... I don't know. I, I took him off my breakout list. Oh, okay. 
I would say he might be in a tier of his own, and I want to get your thoughts on that in a little bit. Okay, Rams COO Kevin uh, something, Demoff, 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 said the team is optimistic about signing Odell Beckham. We've heard that a lot. Mm-hmm. Detroit signed Devin Funches, but they're going to use him as a tight end. Dak Prescott slimmed down, and Mike McCarthy is hoping for more rushing opportunities for Dak Prescott. Remember, obviously, this time last year, he's still recovering from that horrible injury he suffered in 2020. It was a long recovery. This is a normal offseason for Dak Prescott, and he only averaged nine rushing yards per game in 2021, and he's usually around 18. So you can expect, hopefully, more rushing from Prescott. It would be nice. Mark Caballi of The Athletic thinks Mitchell Trubisky is the clear favorite to be the starting quarterback for the Steelers, which is the second time we've heard something like that in a, a couple of weeks. It's probably going to turn out that way. I was going to ask you about the reports out of Denver. You talked about the wide receivers, Heath, but what about the running backs? What are we hearing out of Denver about the running backs? Yeah, I believe uh, it was Lammy again that had said that the, he had talked to some people who think that it may not be quite as much of a 1A, 1B split as it was last year that uh, Javante Williams – because he was one of the guys last year who was constantly banging the drum against Javante Williams week that Melvin Gordon was doing nothing to lose the job and Melvin Gordon was the starting running back, which is the way it stayed pretty much the entire year. Um, he, he is not not saying that this year. He expects that Javante to have a bigger share of the workload early and for that share to increase as the season goes on. Okay, so when are you comfortable taking Javante Williams? He keeps going later in our drafts than his ADP would suggest, or even his maximum pick. That Remember, we did that segment a week ago. Javante Williams went uh, about 31st overall, I think, in yesterday in the draft we did yesterday. Uh, is, is that too late? Is that a steal? It's close to it. I think he's an early third-round pick. I think that's when you can feel okay. You might feel a little icky taking him in late round two at this point. Okay. All right. And I think that's about it for the news and notes. My, I had one more item. Cordaro Patterson is not practicing at minicamp. What's the deal there? They're just ramping him up? Cordaro Patterson? Sure. Yeah. Do they do kick returns at minicamp? <laughs> no. No, I have no idea. Do you guys have any idea what to expect out of the Falcons' backfield? I would not expect a lot. I expect, and that, that just makes it easy to to pass on Patterson and Algier. I expect Algier to lead them in rush attempts and rushing. Um, Cordero for Cordero to steal short yardage and hmm. passing downs. But I've got Algier projected for two hundred twenty-five carries. Wow, that's a lot of carries. That's that's more than I thought you'd project him for. I'd almost project him for like 75 fewer than that. I don't know how much running they're going to actually do. And I'm surprised that you think that they'll put Patterson in in short yardage instead of Algier because Algier is a big dude. He's, yeah. a, he's a power back. I just know if they'll trust a rookie inside the 10-yard line. Yeah, I guess he's got to earn it. But he, he's he's got the profile to be that guy, to be the hammer. For all those touchdowns, the Falcons are going to score, baby. Woo! By the way, the uh, the Packers had 20 team carries inside the five-yard line, which was a lot. Jonathan Taylor had 26. And as bad as the Falcons were last year, they still ran the ball 393 times. And I can tell you how many they had inside the five-yard line, if you're so interested. 
runs? I'm going to guess a lot because they don't let Matt Ryan throw inside the five. They How often had, were they inside the five? Atlanta had 11. Only 11. 11. 11 carries inside the five-yard line. That's fun. That's the lowest I saw. I, I, I only did about 10 teams. And uh, Atlanta was the lowest of those 10-ish. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're talking breakouts. We're talking Dobbins, Pitman, uh, Gainwell. Interesting names here on the breakout lists. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So we don't have any quarterbacks to talk about because the only one that you guys provided me was Jalen Hurts. We already talked about him. So let's go right to the breakout running backs here. And for Heath, it's J.K. Dobbins and Brees Hall. For Dave, four running backs. Travis Etienne, A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard, and Kenneth Gainwell. Feels safe saying that Kenneth Gainwell will be, will be the last one picked out of this group yep. of six. But who will be the first one picked? J.K. Dobbins, Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard, and Kenny Gainwell. Well, I'll tell you, I, can ahead, tell you who, I would tell you who I would draft first, and that's Brees Hall. I think he's got the most upside of all of these running backs. Uh, I know that Dobbins is a talented running back, but I'm pretty sure he'll split work and he'd have to score a ton of touchdowns if he's going to replicate anything close to what he did back in 2020 when he was on the field and he scored a lot of touchdowns. I, I think Hall is a better package overall. I'm nervous about how he'll, I'm nervous about his usage with the Jets. A, because those Jets coaches like to use multiple running backs. B, the Jets quarterback does not have a tendency to lean on his running back out of the backfield. Will the Jets coaches dial up passing plays for Brees Hall and kind of force him targets from game to game? I don't know if I can count on that for him, but I do think he can break away on a bunch of runs and have a lot of big plays. And so I'm willing to bank on that, even though he's on a team that's probably not going to score a ton of points. At least he won't have a quarterback stealing a ton of opportunities away from him, like Dobbins will in Baltimore. Yeah, I think I think Hall and Dobbins, like I, 
I've got them three picks apart, so I don't know which one will go first, but both of them in round four. Um, ETN in the round five, six range. And then I guess Dylan in round seven. Um, like it's, it's interesting because all ETN and Dobbins, I think don't need any help to have a breakout. I think the other three probably do. Well, what do you make of the, of James Robinson? Can ETN have a breakout if James Robinson is healthy? I think it's possible because new coaching staff and he, he's been there all off season that ETN could, I mean, listen, it's not hard to break out off of zero yards. Well, I guess so, a, a real um, impactful season, <laughs> but yeah, right. I, I think he can carve out a role independent of James Robinson more easily than you could see with Dylan Pollard or Gamble. Can you think of a player who, other than Alvin Kamara, I mean, Kamara was the best, right? And they actually remember they cut Adrian Peterson after four games or they traded him mm-hmm. or whatever the hell it was. Right. And uh, in Kamara's rookie year. Can you think of a player that would have a ETN, an ETN-like role and has been successful in it? So I'm thinking not the primary ball carrier. That's how Eckler started. But yep. was he really, but was Eckler really ever fantasy relevant until the year that sure. Melvin Gordon? No, the, the last year games. he and Melvin were together. Last maybe the last two years he and Melvin were together. Well, one year Melvin Gordon missed the first four games, I think. And then he was still very relevant, yeah. But I don't know. It, it's hard for me to just get excited about this this sort of random role where, oh, we're going to use him here and there and all that. That means I don't like that. I like a guy who has a defined role. And if ETN doesn't have a defined role, I'm going to be a little nervous about that. Uh, Debo Samuel. Does he count? No, I don't think so. Because- Cordero Patterson. Yeah. The role is finding opportunities to get this guy the ball in his hands by whatever means necessary. So if it's throwing him passes in the flat or off of screens or having him run a slant, maybe he lines up as a slot receiver and runs a slant, they'll do it all with him. It's almost like what he does as a rusher will be a bonus. And that's where I think the upside really lies with ETN if Robinson is either off the field or on the field, but not his old self, mm-hmm. because that'll provide some extra opportunities and some extra touches for Travis Etienne. But I could easily see him getting dialed up seven times a game through the air. Cause so, look at the rest of that offense. The rest of the offense in Jacksonville is, is it's kind of suspect. I'm not sure how they're going to use those guys. Etienne could be the guy where the coaches go, all right, let's bake in what he's going to do each week because defenses are going to have an impossible time trying to defend him, and then we can put in some plays for the other receivers that we have on top of it. Seven sounds high to me. That's 119 targets in 17 games, 112 in in 16 games. And, yeah, if you could if you could guarantee me that, then I think... Uh, We're taking him too low. I'd take him in... And it's also a PPR versus PPR. half and non-PPR conversation. I guess... Like, I, so, I, I, so I can't let me be ask as excited about ETN if those catches don't count. Let me ask it like this. You said... His his rushing might just be a bonus. Do you do you think that ETN could actually be a must-start running back if his rushing totals are just a bonus? Or do you think he needs to have 
really, do you think he needs to be a running back first and his receiving needs to be the bonus? Does that make sense? The way I'm framing? No, I think he's, he's the type of player that you look at in the same vein of the guys that we have already talked about. The ones that get a lot of targets and is an air back as Pete Prisco likes to say, like who? Who other than like Kamara? Kamara like so Eckler, he has to be like, Kamara, but who else? Kamara is one of a kind, I think. Who else is that? Well, the idea is that ETN is one of those one of a kind types of running backs as well. He has. You watched him play in college. His speed was amazing. Because he can't he be just, JD McKissick and James White. You know that he's not going to be worth a fifth round pick. Or no, you can't, he's got to be a true. rusher, right? So what do you think he? He's got to run the ball close to ten times a game. And I was going to say, like Kamara, even before last year when he just was a different player and averaged 18 carries a game. Right. Yeah. There was pr- three prior years to that. He was between 12.2 and 12.9 rush attempts per game. Right. No, if he's Kamara, that's awesome. I just can't expect, I can't expect anyone to be Kamara. Kamara's been in, you know, before this year, he's been in a top five offense every year. He's one of the most efficient running backs ever, basically. Like he's incredible. Um, but so if, if Travis Etienne is going to be Alvin Kamara, I get it. But most people couldn't take the touches of Alvin Kamara and, and make it into a fantasy stardom. No, I, I don't. I don't think that's like he, they couldn't be as good as he is. I think 12 to 13 carries with five or six targets a game is plenty good. Yeah, Tw- that'd be the great. The problem of if it's eight to 10 carries, it's more difficult. Right. But what do we talk about with running backs? Like that mark where they start to be appealing as must starts in fantasy is 15 touches. Can he get to 15 touches a week? Maybe not at the beginning, or maybe he does at the beginning and then he fades a little bit once Robinson proves that he's back. But this is a team that I think is still going to be trailing a lot that doesn't have a lot of explosive playmakers on offense, but they do have a great quarterback who knows how to manipulate defenses and and throw the ball in the right place. Dobbins, you know, Dobbins, the last six games of 2020, obviously he missed all of 2021. He was on a per game basis, the number six running back in non PPR, the number 11 running back in full PPR. This is JK Dobbins. He was on pace for uh, 218 carries and only eight catches, but he was on pace for 20 touchdowns in 17 games, 1,493 total yards. In those games, he averaged 6.4 yards per carry. For the season, he averaged 6 yards per carry. Uh, I find Dobbins and all Ravens running backs in a full PPR league to be some of the most difficult players to know when to pull the trigger I, on. I think, like for me, the the case that J.K. Dobbins, it doesn't even include him getting a huge share of the rush attempts. It's that he's Nick Chubb. Um, yeah. Like, just wildly efficient, scores touchdowns. I think he might catch a few more passes than Chubb because I also think like this whole don't get any wide receivers. Well, last year they threw to running backs, not just more because they threw more passes, but as a higher percentage of their passes than they have in the past. They were throwing the ball, dumping the ball off to Tyson Williams and, and Devontae Freeman. And Dobbins, if you'll remember, last offseason, they spent so many video reels on showing us highlight catches right. that J.K. Dobbins is making in OTAs and at practice. So I do think... It once he's right, he could be Nick Chubb with a few more catches. That's the upside. Devontae Freeman had 34 catches in 16 games last year. Obviously, they threw a lot more, but yeah, he, he was involved. Okay, so who else did we did we not? We talked about Dobbins, Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, AJ Dillon. So AJ Dillon, we don't even. Where's Tony Pollard? Wasn't Tony Pollard in this? Yeah, oh yeah, yes. AJ Dillon and Tony Pollard. So 
we don't even have to say it. If there's an injury to Zeke or Aaron Jones, you're going to love the value you got on, on Tony Pollard and AJ Dillon. I'll just ask this. If there are injuries to both of them, who's got more upside? Who would you rank higher if, if they both won? If, if uh, Aaron Jones and Ezekiel Elliott won the lottery and retired, who would you rank higher, AJ Dillon or Tony Pollard? <laughs> I would rank Dillon higher. Yeah. Okay. So who do you like better, Dillon or Pollard? It, you Dillon. know, with the healthy running backs. Dylan. Still Dylan. And do you think they can be true breakouts without an injury to the starters, the presumptive starters? I, I think there's a lot better chance for Dylan because you could see Aaron Jones just play the wide receiver role and A.J. Dylan still gets 15 touches a game playing with Aaron Jones. There were four games last year where Jones played under 50% of the snaps for the Packers. This does not include the games that Jones was out for. Strictly games under 50%. Dylan had 15 plus PPR points three of those four games. He averaged 17.2 PPR points in those games. So if there is a situation where AJ Dylan starts to get real close, like maybe they pull a Broncos in Green Bay and they use both of those running backs at the same pace, I, I think AJ Dylan could be a, an absolute league winner for fantasy managers. Now, Pollard's a different story unless they really get to a point where he is playing 50-50 with Ezekiel Elliott, but that's an offense that does like to throw downfield a little bit more. I think that without Gallup healthy, maybe they lean on Tony Pollard a little bit more at the beginning of the year and maybe use both running backs quite a bit. Zeke's caught a fair share of passes in the past. I wonder if some of that goes to Tony Pollard moving forward. And Pollard's also capable of being a good running back. This is something that we... I'm not oh, as comfortable yeah. saying about ETN anyway, but that Pollard can work as, as a traditional type of a running back as well. We saw it in the games that he's played without Zeke. We've seen it in spurts in the games he's played with Zeke. He's a good player, and he's got explosiveness on his side. There is almost no case to be made that Zeke is better than Pollard at this point. It, not, I'm not talking about fantasy. I'm talking about IRL. He, uh, Pollard, not unless Zeke was truly, truly hampered by he was. The torn PCL it's the line. same case to be made that jerry judy's better than tim patrick no he was better before and he just played hurt last year and so we shouldn't hold that against him uh fine but it, i mean I, if you just look at pollard's career he has a 40 plus yard carry in all three seasons zeke does not uh in that stretch he's had he has had as many or more 20 plus yard carries in each of the last three seasons as zeke despite having 465 oh. fewer carries than zeke in that span the advanced metrics love tony pollard the yards per carry loves tony pollard uh they're i, I mean gosh the potential is through the roof plus they had the number one run blocking offensive line according to pff last year um, okay, so the only problem for Pollard is near the goal line, it is all Zeke. He had 12 carries inside the five-yard line. Tony Pollard had two. Zeke had five targets inside the 10-yard line. Pollard had zero. So you're going to well, have to hope yeah, things change a little bit. that's not the only problem. Bit. The only problem is that he's a, not the lead running back. He's going to touch the ball 10 times a game. <laughs> like, Yeah, but he but he's going to need some touchdowns to... Or 11, sorry. He's going to need some touchdowns to uh, to come through with mid-round value because you could still use him as a flex right you know if he scores a touchdown more frequently then you get lucky and you started him that week and he got you 13 points and you're happy but if he gets you six points or seven points because he didn't score the touchdown that's an issue like dylan has a much better chance for touchdowns than pollard would you say would you say that for sure right yes okay I what, think dylan has a much better chance at 15 touches a game without an injury than pollard 
What about Gainwell? What's the case there, Dave? The case there is that this is the running back that the current coaching staff drafted, not the one they inherited in Miles Sanders. Sanders has been he's been efficient, but they haven't given him like the full autonomy like other coaches before have, and he struggled when given that. So that's another team where I think there could be a 50-50 split among the running backs. Problem being that there's a quarterback that's also going to do a fair share of running. But in a PPR league, I could see Gainwell doing a decent enough job to finish maybe on the cusp of a low-end number two running back. Like You remember the one year that Naheem Hines had where he finished, I don't know if he finished 24th in PPR points per game. He might have been right underneath it. But I think Gainwell has that kind of upside. I think he can end up being... A, the best running back there, maybe because of injury to Miles Sanders, but more importantly, um, a, a running back who can be helpful in fantasy play. So we should have the same debate we had yesterday. Dave, why is Kenneth Gainwell a breakout and not a sleeper? He could he classifies as both. Maybe he's more of a sleeper than a breakout. Oh. He definitely is. Because sleepers win you weeks and breakouts win you leaks. TM. Sleepers are being drafted outside the first 10 rounds. Breakouts are not. Okay, you can't trademark that. Nobody cares about that. So let's talk about our wide receivers. Uh, we had a lot of running backs. Wide receiver breakouts. Michael Pittman for Heath and Rashad. Bateman for Heath and Cortland Sutman for both of you and Gabriel Davis for Dave. So really, is it just Pittman? Is that the only one that we haven't spoken about? That's the only one. Oh, and Tim Patrick. We can talk a little bit more about him. Okay, so let's talk about Michael Pittman, Heath. And I was saying a tier of We had this conversation a few weeks ago and kind of thought about it again yesterday when we were doing our draft. A tier of his own because you get to this point where you got a bunch of guys who aren't necessarily the clear-cut number one receivers on their team. Um, and he's grouped in with them, but he is the clear-cut number one wide receiver on the team. So I guess I'm looking at... Sutton, um, yeah, well, Allen Robinson, you know, he's obviously number two. Brandon Cooks is number is one. Pittman being drafted around Allen Robinson? I don't know. I think he's like behind him, but not too far behind. To, you know what? Forget it. Think? Um, forget that train of thought. I'll I'll look at his ADP right now. But all right, what's what's the best case scenario that for Michael Pittman? Do you think how good could he be? Uh, he could be a top 12 wide receiver and it wouldn't take very much change at all. Um, it would just take Frank Reich deciding to throw the ball 10% more because he trusts Matt Ryan more than Carson Wentz. He, this guy absolutely dominated targets last year. He had 129 targets. The next closest guy had 69. The only reason <clears throat> he wasn't more of a star is because the Colts threw 521 passes, which is just a terribly low level. Um, I, I think even if Carson Wentz was coming back as the quarterback, I would have projected them to regress towards the league mean on pass attempts just because most of the time, not always, but most of the time when a team throws that little compared to everyone else, they throw it more in the following season. So just based on volume alone, but also like he's a third year wide receiver who just took a huge step forward in his second year and now is going to have even, presumably even more opportunity. And for just for reference sake, when I say regress towards the mean, the league mean number of pass attempts last year was 593. They threw 72 fewer times than the, the median team. 
Would you rather have Cortland Sutton or Michael Pittman? Uh, I have Pitt- Sutton higher. Pittman. And he is um, going well ahead of Allen Robinson. He's going with uh, he's fi- he's 15th off the board right now in NFC ADP since May 1st. Michael Pittman is. Then it's McLaurin, then DJ Moore. So those are the clear-cut number one guys. Pitt- Was that? P- Pittman is... I'm not sure by the time we get to the end of this week's OTAs that Terry McLaurin will be viewed as a clear-cut number one guy anymore. But Pittman mm, he will is... Be. Um, one of those guys I think who whose ADP may go backwards once non-experts, non-doing this for money type drafts are the predominant thing. He's a he's a big he has a lot of fans within the industry. Matt Harmon just came out a week or two ago with a charting of Pittman's route running, and it was just <laughs> falling all over himself praising Pittman because he's outstanding in that area as well. Um, he's going to be very popular with the high stakes players, with the the analysts, with the industry leagues. I think he will go lower when we get to leagues that um, don't involve us so much. Why? Because it's Michael Pittman. Yeah, I kind of feel he's that not, way. I think he's that's part of it. He's not sexy. I think that's just the beginning. There's a se- there's a lack of sexiness. I think. And well, because, I think the, like. We look at it and say 521 pass attempts. Like it's really important to me that he had 60 more targets than anyone else on his team. I don't know to the average person looking at it will make that distinction. I'm worried that the unsexiness stems from Matt Ryan and not from Michael Pittman. Because I I think Pittman's good. The reason why I wouldn't put him on a breakout list is because I think I think he could be better than what he was last year, but not a lot better. He was 27th in PPR points per game. He should be able to be much better than that, but it could still be in the 20s. He was 21st in targets per game, even though he had this amazing target share of 25.7. And even with that amazing target share, he only had eight games with 15-plus PPR points. I would expect more than that from Pittman. And the reason why that he wasn't much better was because he didn't have a lot of touchdowns. He had 129 targets. He only scored six touchdowns. You could say, well, that's going to go the other way now. But look who the quarterback is and think about how receivers have done with this quarterback over the course of the quarterback's career. And I also think that there's going to be an edict from the coaching staff to Matt Ryan to spread the ball around. I don't think the Colts liked it that they had Michael Pittman with a 26% target share. And I, they, they added Alec Pierce. They drafted Jelani Woods as well. There's talk that Mo Cox is going to end up being a bigger factor. And we've already talked about how Naheem Hines is going to get more targets. I'm wondering if the Colts are going to try and spread it around even more when they're not in the red zone. And then when they are in the red zone, I think teams are going to try and obviously focus on Jonathan Taylor when they're inside the five. But Pittman's an obvious target, too. And Matt Ryan has made it clear over the course of his career when he's in the red zone, throwing to the number one receiver isn't something he's willing to do when they're double covered. And I think Pittman's going to still draw that double coverage. So I'm nervous about the touchdowns for him. I want to see him get more of a target share. I'm not sure if that's going to happen either. I'm comfortable taking Pittman as a low-end number two fantasy wide receiver in that round four to five range. Okay, give me your case for Tim Patrick. That Jerry Judy is never going to be what we thought he was going to be, and Patrick is more profiles more of the type of downfield receiver who has speed on top of size and can be make himself available when a play breaks down. And that's where Tyler Lockett really had a huge edge because he and Wilson were just on the same page. And if DK Metcalf is going to be Cortland Sutton or if Sutton's going to be Metcalf, 
then I wonder if it's going to be more of Patrick being Tyler Lockett rather than Jerry Judy being Tyler Lockett. Yeah, also with Patrick, surprisingly, he led the team in targets inside the 10-yard line two years in a row, and he's been pretty close to that in, in red zone targets inside the 20-yard line. He was barely behind, I think, Noah Fant in, uh, in 2020. But yeah, he's he's been their guy near the end zone, which is surprising to me. But uh, yeah, it's, I don't know if well, that'll hold up, but it has been the case. And we've talked about this before. Like he's, it's not like he's been way behind the lead in other categories. Like he was eight tenths of a yard behind Jerry Judy in yards per game last year. He led them in yards per target last year. It's not just a red zone thing. There were areas where he was just legitimately the most efficient wide receiver on the Broncos each of the past two seasons. Okay. Tim Patrick, great late round value. He is going, you want to guess? Round nine. Wide receiver, round nine. Um, pick 140. 160, 159. Wide receiver 62, Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick or Devontae Parker? We'll be on my sleepers list. Tim Patrick or Devontae Parker, do you like? Patrick. Parker. Tim Patrick or... Hardman. Patrick. Patrick. Okay. Dave, I'd like for you to weigh in on something because we don't have any tight ends to talk about. We already talked about Fryermuth. Uh, I don't know if you voted in the Twitter poll, but if someone emails you on Thursday and tells you he needs something by, quote, next Monday... When do you think that assignment is due? Four days from Thursday or 11 days from Thursday? Uh, I took it to mean 11 days from Thursday. Yeah. I don't understand how we got started in the Twitter small poll. But it was such a small time, it wasn't a problem to get it done. And, and you understand now that you were wrong. No, I, I don't. I've got so much support from people. But the Twitter poll was 63% four days, 36% 11 days. Okay. So I think, Dave, if I told you um, today that I really think that Jerry Judy is going to prove you wrong next season, mm-hmm. when is he going to prove you wrong? That's a good way of putting it. No, it's not because <laughs> because Heath would no because the never next season is, here's the difference that. is that the the season that's upcoming hasn't started yet. Right. So I think it's still fair to say that the 2022 season is the no, next No, it's this season. season. The week that's upcoming hasn't started yet. It's yeah, this season. I think <laughs> he, you always have a good way. No, he doesn't. He always has a bogus <laughs> way. Don't give him credit for this. Because I'm he, giving him credit. Because he Heath would never do that. Heath would never say next season about this upcoming season. He would say this season. So his, his hypothetical is completely asinine, and I reject it on premise. <laughs> Are you done? I'm done. Yeah, yeah, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> is there a game tonight, Heath, or is it tomorrow? It is tomorrow night. And then game seven's on Sunday? Did we talk about Mitchell Trubisky being so the clear favorite to be the starter for Pittsburgh? Yeah. we were. So wait, the, the basketball game is next Thursday? <laughs> exactly, right? It's the stupidest thing. It's on Thursday. No, it's, it's not this next week. Thursday. It's this Thursday. It's this Thursday because it's, it's this week. This, it's the first Thursday. It's not the next one. Heath's right on this one, Adam. He, Dave, I'm wrong on it too because I thought it was the next Monday. No, we were right, Dave. Stick, I don't stick think to so, your Adam. guns. We were- no, there's no. I I will always change my mind in the face of what's honest and realistic. And Heath's got this one. Okay, 
Derek, I'm not wearing a cap, Heath, but I'm tipping it toward you. Derek Richard is reminding me not to drop Justin Jefferson. You're really kind, Dave. Yeah, he is really kind. Shut good up. guy. Kind of lame. So I'm going to end the show there. And tomorrow we'll talk about some busts for this season. I can't tell you about busts for next season yet because 2023 is such a long time away. Thank you for watching and listening, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. And we'll be doing FFT in five in a second. If you want to hop over, hop over to that stream, I think we are anyway. Um, talk to you then. See ya.